It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Another winter storm is barreling into southeast Alaska with much of the brunt to be borne by Yakutat. In a briefing for media Tuesday afternoon, National Weather Service forecasters warned of heavy snow in the northern panhandle to be followed by freezing rain and drizzle and then by more wet snow. The prognosis is worst in Yakutat, which has already experienced hazardous levels of snowfall earlier in the winter. Forecasters say that heavy snow in Yakutat Tuesday night could be followed by up to half an inch of freezing rain on Wednesday, potentially bringing down branches and power lines. After a break Wednesday night, another round of heavy wet snow is forecast for the Upper Lynn Canal area in Juneau, as well as Yakutat, with 4 to 8 inches possible. The forecast for Sitka and other areas to the south is generally better. Light snow Tuesday night is predicted to change to rain, with windy conditions prevalent through Thursday night. Southeast Alaska's largest tribal organization is holding its tribal assembly virtually again. It's the third time the Central Council of the Tlingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska will hold the event online. It's scheduled for late April. Last year, the assembly was delayed until October in the hopes of COVID-19 case rates slowing down enough to meet in person, but it ended up going virtual. With the current wave of COVID-19 cases in Alaska due to the Omicron variant, the tribe's executive council decided that it was safer to meet online again. During the tribal assembly, delegates will vote for the tribe's president, officers in the tribe's executive council, tribal court judges, and an emerging leader. Delegates will also submit resolutions to the tribe that establish what the tribe's priorities are and the tribe's position on issues affecting tribal citizens. The tribe's effort to build a tribal campus came from one of those resolutions last year. This year's resolutions are not in yet, and delegates and Tlingit and Haida community councils have until April 1st to send them to the tribe. Empty grocery shelves and higher prices are unsettling for Southeast Alaskans. Some of it is the nation's quick economic rebound, which has strained supply lines of basic goods, and some of it is a problem all our own, shipping. On top of everything else, barge rates have gone up in the new year across Southeast Alaska. But KSTK's Sage Smiley reports the rising cost of hauling goods into coastal communities isn't the only reason a trip to the grocery store is a little more expensive. Alaska Marine Lines, one of the largest barge companies supplying Southeast, increased its general rate by 4.8 percent last Sunday. And freight costs will go up again next week when a fuel surcharge increase sets in. Sitka's Samson Tug and Barge, the other half of Southeast Alaska's freight barge duopoly, mirrored Linden's rate increase. As an island community, Wrangell is super reliant on bringing in supplies on these private sector barges. The only thing that comes by air uh, airplane is the packaged salad. Everything else is on the barge. Jake Hale is the manager of City Market, one of two supermarkets in town. When the price of freight goes up, he says, so does the price of pretty much anything at his Wrangell grocery store. A gallon of milk weighs eight pounds. So if uh, we end up paying uh, six cents more a, a pound for freight getting up here, uh, that's 48 cents that has to get added onto that gallon of milk. And price hikes are coming. We're looking at record increases. Not only are we looking at increased uh, prices from the manufacturers and the wholesalers, the shippers, but the fuel prices are huge. And when they go up, everything goes up. Hale says depending on the products, he's expecting 5 to 8% price increases on grocery store items this year. And 
that's the, probably the highest I've seen it in my career. Which is more than three decades and just shy of three years here in Wrangell. As a member of the industry group, the National Grocery Association, Hale says he sees rising prices as an answer to a multifaceted problem. This is like the perfect storm. By that, he means supply chain issues nationwide, including for basic packaging materials like aluminum or cardboard. And packaging and processing plants have experienced shutdowns due to COVID-19. Basically, at every stop from the creation of the product to when it gets sold on the store, costs more. And there's not much we can do about it. Companies have raised wages to attract workers and truckers in a tight labor market. That cost, he says, is being passed on to the consumer as well. Last year, I went four months without getting a single application. All that is on top of increases to barge freight and fuel surcharges setting in after the new year. Wrangell's local government has been monitoring barge rates, as it's a major driver in the cost of living. A rate study commissioned by the borough found Wrangell's rates have risen at an average of 4.5% every year, so the recent general rate increase of 4.8% isn't without precedent. As for fuel costs, a spokesperson for Linden, which is AML's parent company in Seattle, says the fuel charges are tied to rising fuel prices. In fact, according to AML's fuel surcharge rate sheet published with the Wrangell Freight Rate Study, the company's fuel surcharges have been artificially low for almost two years, as low as 6%. Barge rates in Alaska are monitored by the Service Transportation Board, which oversees the cost of shipping freight between communities. But the federal agency doesn't intervene in freight pricing unless there's a complaint. The state of Alaska's attorney general has, in years past, investigated the barge company's arrangement. There's always a cost of shipping added to a product, Hale adds, whether it be on a truck, a plane, or a boat. Barging product is not perfect, but it is so much better than the alternatives I've used in the past. It's one part of the price of living in a relatively remote part of Alaska. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. A developer in Juneau is asking the city for permission to change the zoning on one of his properties, but that proposal got flagged by Juneau's Systemic Racism Review Committee. Some committee members were concerned about the potential for the rezone to take away housing opportunities and the lack of public input. KTOO's Lindsay Berlini reports. A few weeks ago, the Systemic Racism Review Committee looked over legislation that would rezone some land on North Douglas. Property owner Travis Arndt wants his property rezoned from residential to commercial so he can build boat storage and other buildings on it. When committee members review legislation, they go through a list of questions, things like, what could be the impact of this legislation, and who will be affected by it? And does it benefit one group of people at the expense of another? Grace Lee is on the committee, and she thinks the rezone will benefit people with more income, but that could come at the expense of more housing, which is a problem for community members struggling to find affordable housing. And that has the potential to perpetuate systemic racism because people of color are more likely to struggle to find affordable housing in Juneau. And now I realize this is Alaska and a lot more people have boats, but boat storage um, affects a, a group of people who can afford boats and then also afford to store them. And so I think that just asking that question, does this perpetuate systemic racism? Yes, it takes away the possibility of housing and gives it to people who have boats. In public testimony on this rezone, Arndt said he had no plans to increase housing, but wanted to build buildings with and without housing. 
Arndt didn't respond to phone calls or emails seeking his perspective on the committee flagging his plans for development as potentially perpetuating systemic racism in Juneau. And this wasn't the first time someone said they had issues with how this specific project would affect housing in Juneau. When the Assembly considered the rezoning legislation last summer, Maribeth Weldon said that one of the Assembly's goals is to increase housing, so taking 15 acres of land from residential use and shifting it towards commercial use is concerning. Lisa Worrell is the chair of the Systemic Racism Review Committee. She says the committee has concerns about the lack of input on the rezone from residents in the area. Only the developer aren't and one other person testified, and both of them are members of the city's planning commission. The Systemic Racism Review Committee recommended that assembly members get more public comment from residents in the area. City leaders listened, and now there will be another public hearing at the next assembly meeting on February 7th. This process of pointing out how a project can contribute to inequality in Juneau is new for everyone involved. But advocates of the systemic racism review process say these are important steps towards creating a more equitable community. When the committee was created in the summer of 2020, it was amid a nationwide reckoning on racism after police killed George Floyd. The Juneau Assembly listened to residents about their experiences of racism in the community. Afterwards, former Assembly member Rob Edwardson suggested creating a committee to look for systemic racism. Edwardson says, But my opinion when I was on the Assembly is there were a lot of uh, ordinances that were needlessly rushed. There was absolutely no urgency to push them how fast that they were being pushed. He says that when these things go too fast, that's when legislation has potential for perpetuating systemic racism. The committee started reviewing legislation in April 2021, and this is the first time members have flagged something as having systemic racism. And Juno's assembly noticed. They met with members of the committee to hear their concerns. Edwardson says this is exactly what he envisioned the committee doing with ordinances. What I think might happen is that there might be a lot of reports that come out that report the same thing uh, as this most recent report. But then that'll die out over time as people become more accustomed to you know, looking at um, equity and inclusion and in ordinances. And Edwardson hopes future and current assembly members will get in the habit of thinking about systemic racism when they're reviewing and drafting legislation. Will says the scope of the committee is limited. It only looks at potential laws that come before the full assembly. Which I think is adequate, but it's, it is hard sometimes to look at uh, ordinances, um, policy on only in its and by itself. You know, it's pretty hard to tease out or not look at the impacts without looking at the implementation as well. Worrell says the Systemic Racism Review Committee is a good start, but that the Assembly may want to look at other ways to weed out systemic racism, too. In Juno, I'm Lindsay Brolini. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.